My name is Edward J. Sheehan. Joseph P. Sheehan, Colony Pest Management, Brooklyn, New York. So, Colony Confidential is about money. I said I want cash. Business. Are you afraid of bugs? Get out of here. family. Working with family is the toughest thing you'll ever have to do. Or it could be the best. Mint. Colony Confidential. This all has to be edited, deleted, and burned. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Colony Confidential. Today, we're going to be taking some questions. We're going to get to as many as possible. I want to thank everybody that took the time out to either call and leave a voicemail at our phone number, which is 917-765-0714. And those of you that emailed us at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. We have some great questions from potential customers or consumers, let's say, as well as business owners. But uh, it's been a few days, so you know we're going to tell you about our fabulous lives. Mr. Sheehan, what'd you do this week? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm getting on in age, so let's start with yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, I, I went to a place that um, uh, I've never been. It uh, was uh, Ellis Island. And f- for those of you who have the time or the inclination, it's quite a place to go to see where our forefathers came. And one thing I learned out there that it didn't matter where anybody came from whatever place they came from in the globe they learned that the streets were not paved with gold uh, they learned in a lot of cases there were no streets they learned they could get a job making those streets happen but the underlying bottom line for everybody was they learned that they could prosper and do better than where they came from if they worked hard and i think for those of us that are in the press control industry we know what work hard means um, eight hours a day is a joke if you're an owner. Um, my own case, 15 to 16 was pretty common, uh, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, but yes, uh, we, I be- fully believe that still in this country, you learn a trade, whatever you want to do, be the best that you can be at it. Know that you're not going to know everything and realize you have to ask questions and don't be ashamed to do so, and you will do well. You will hopefully realize or get your slice of the American pie. So this was your first time in Ellis Island, however, 72 years old. However, sir, as, yes. I, as I rounded the Statue of Liberty, I realized did that- you, Did that, you not that, hear me? I'm talking here. Was it your first time, Hammer? I just said it was. Keep your ears open. Right, but- as I rounded the Statue of Liberty, because what happens is you get on this boat. I got on a boat at uh, Liberty State Park in Jersey. So they always stop at the Statue of Liberty first, and whoever's going to Statue of Liberty gets off. I realized that almost to the day I had been to the Statue of Liberty with my dad and my brother Michael 60 years ago. Still looks the same. Anyway, that's an aside. And then we went to Ellis Island. And then when you come back, you get on the boat to come back. On Ellis Island, you stop at the Statue of Liberty again, and then they take you over to uh, Liberty State Park. And if anybody w- you know would like to go to the Statue of Liberty, take your kids. It's still a great attraction. On the boat, we had a lot of people from Asia, some even from the Middle East, and all their kids were still in wonder at, oh, there she is, the Statue of Liberty. It's still and an was amazing really, thing to see. I was still impressed. I'm saying, shit, it still means something to a lot of people. So that aside, after we were done, I went to a wonderful place called the uh, Spanish Tavern in Newark. Anybody like Spanish food, 
I had the uh, paella Valencia, and uh, we split a pitcher of uh, sangria. And the sangria there is very good. So is the food. Yes, it's excellent. Anyway, so we're going to start our episode today. So what do I do the rest of the week? I- All right, so let's get to some of these questions that we uh, received via email. I don't know which ones came in email or uh, on the phone, but nevertheless, we have questions. So we're going to get to the first one, which comes from somebody in an apartment. I live in a great two-bedroom rent-stabilized apartment in Long Island City. Over the past few weeks, it looks like there may be mice sharing our pad. I've seen a little critter dart behind the fridge a couple of times. I would normally call the super and let him take care of it with poison or whatever, but now the problem is my roommate. He is vegan and has not been cooperative. He is a great roommate, and his name is the only one on the lease. He's refused to let me get glue traps or use those little pellets. Is there any way to deal with this before the entire Mouse family moves in? All right, good question. First of all, I'm seeing here the problem might be the vegan. And what I would suggest is you go online and you look up all the different diseases that these mice can cause. Uh, Mice... Uh, how they delineate their territory as they walk along, they dribble urine. So uh, I would also suggest that you don't leave any food out at night, and by food I mean like sweet and low sugar packs or whatever. They should all be put in uh, tin containers so they can't chew through it. That would be step number one. Now for the mice. All the food, again, should be sealed and put away. Uh, There was something about, did they say something about a refrigerator or something in this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, a okay. dart, dart behind the fridge. But I think the first thing, the main thing here is that this person mentions that the super normally comes. That's problem number one oh, because the super is not educated enough to know yeah. that you don't have to use glue, you don't have to use pellets, and if you, if you used a pest management professional, you would get what you're about to get for us. So that's the first issue, but you've done the right thing by coming to us and asking us. That's so step number one. In the right I apologize. Well, I would, you can get these uh, traps. They're called catch-alls. Yes, they're traps, but they catch the mice alive. Uh, it's sort of uh, shaped like a shoebox, a little, a little higher. And you wind it up. And mice are curious. I would definitely put one by the refrigerator. They're hanging out there because it's nice and warm because of the motor. And you don't have to use any bait. You don't, even, you don't have to put any food in there. They're naturally curious. They walk down this little corridor. And they trip a lever. And, it's, and this windmill comes around and pops them in the butt. And they lock them in this compartment. So you may hear them looking out. You see this little pink nose. Help me, help me. Don't take them out because their friends are going to come. You know, Freddie's caught. Larry's going to come over and try and help them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you catch them, you take them gently out so we don't want to offend your friend. And I would take them, I don't know, a mile Let away. Let the vegan do it. Let the vegan take them out. No. And just listen, make sure the listen, main thing. You don't want to piss the guy off. Just do it yourself. Make sure that you don't. Well, the vegan's got to be involved in it because he's the one saying not to do anything. But make sure that you don't put food in the trap to feed the mouse because then you'll have a fly issue. Yeah, right. Good thinking. So um, after we start catching these little guys, take them away, you know, take them a mile away to be safe. Maybe 10 blocks is good enough. I don't know. If you let them outside your front door, guess where they're going to come right back into. Yeah. Then after that, uh, or prior to that even, uh, I would go to the hardware store and get some copper mesh. And I would look around under the sink. Maybe there's holes because our contractors... 
if they see they're going to have to put a quarter-inch pipe in, uh, let's build a, let's drill a half-inch hole. Mice have no bones. So if you can put your finger, the pinky, through a hole, mice is going to put his head through there and, and then his body stretch out. You sound like a young per, a young person, so I don't think you remember the movie called The Blob. Mice, uh, you said like mice jello. had no bones? They have cartilage instead of bones. Uh, they, 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 that's they don't have a rib cage. It's actually not true. Somebody disproved that the other. Somebody said that the other day. So Listen, if you put your finger through a hole, can they get through it? Yes, but that's but th- it's not. But they have bones. Well, I'm vertebrate pests. I am going to ki- yeah vertebrate. That's a jointed backbone. They have a backbone. But they don't have ribs. Right, Trust me, whoever you are, mm. I know what I'm talking about in this one. I don't know a lot, it's but I know about debatable. this. Anyway, uh, if you have radiators or heating pipes, go there. Pack this stuff in real tight, this steel mesh I'm talking about. And um, it has to be checked uh, periodically because the, the mice have not a lot to do, so they may be tearing at this thing, trying to loosen it up. So I would check it every three weeks to make sure it's still in place and keep that trap going. I don't. You, n- you never told us what floor you lived on. You know, like, so it sounds to me if he signed the lease at some kind of an apartment building, the mice have started from the basement. They're coming through the basement. And if this is more than a three-family house, it's considered a multiple dwelling. And the landlord is required <clears throat> to hire an exterminator when there's a problem. You need to know that. Ladies uh, and gentlemen uh, and Mr. and Mrs. America, this just in. Mice have 13 pairs of ribs, unlike humans that have 12. Are you going to trust the internet? Yeah. Yes, I am actually. Well, let me. Okay, fine. I'll concede that point, but can they get through a hole? Yeah, so you're still correct with that because anything they're able to get their head in, they're able to get the rest of their body. So apparently, since I was active in pest control 20 years ago, maybe it's global warming or something, but mice have grown ribs. I'll stand on that statement. So So now they've grown ribs. That's what you're going to say? Because of global warming. Okay. Anyway, okay. that obviously is uh, <laughs> bullshit, <laughs> but I'm going with that, okay? <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, um, so I think you got to get a hold of the super and tell him, you know, do we have a professional exterminator? And he's got to go down in the basement, and to be perfectly honest with you, the exterminator's probably going to use poison and traps down there. But if you don't eliminate that, you're just you're going to be constantly running with this trap, taking them places. Um, unless you do a hell of a good job sealing off your apartment. We want to make you like, with this this uh, copper mesh, you're putting like a protective shield around your apartment. Mice are very lazy. Like if, like, oh, there's a hole. Let's go through that hole. All of a sudden now the hole's not there. It's sort of like if you're in Long Island City when the L train goes out, you know? This is Jeff White from Bedbug Central, and you're listening to Colony Confidential. All right, so to sum everything up, we need that catch-all trap. Copper mesh is a must. And you got to store the food. Anything food-wise got to be stored in, in uh, metal containers or, or tin containers. And just you got to just keep the place as clean as you possibly can and eliminate as much water. Don't leave dishes in the sink at night. Wash down the countertops. We want to make it to where this place was, you know, I'm going to pretend I'm a mouse. I moved in. This is nice. What do I need? Got heat with the refrigerator. There's food they're leaving around. And all of a sudden, there's not that much food. For those of you out there that may not understand why he's saying tin, 
or even sometimes heavy-duty Tupperware is because mice can eat through concrete. So the tin is something they won't eat through, especially since most cookie tins and stuff like that are so slick and there's no edges for them to really get into the chew through. But even heavy-duty Tupperware we find works, but it needs to be sealed properly. And remember, it's not just your apartment. It's an all-encompassing approach to alleviate the problem in yours, depending on what floor you're on. And the higher up you are, probably the worse the problem is throughout the building if they're coming that high to you. And after giving you all this information, you should get some results. If you called us to do the job at Colony Pest Management, we could actually see your apartment, analyze the building, and get a better overall picture of how to suppress the whole situation. And I want to thank you again for your question. I hope the answer helps. So here we go with question number two that we're going to read is another apartment one. I live in an apartment and have small brown bugs in my tub. I usually notice them in the morning. What could they be and what should I do? So they could be springtails or, I mean, realistically, we would need to come get a sample and put it on the microscope. But my first guess would be springtails, which is indicative of a moisture issue. I mean, tubs, obviously, there's moisture. When a tub is sealed correctly or a shower is sealed correctly and the grout is in good standing, you shouldn't have this issue. So I would start there with all of the sealant. The biggest one that we forget about is the actual tub handle that turns the water on and off, the faucet handles. Those we never pay attention to whether the escutcheon plate is sealed properly or not. And so what happens is as you're showering, little drops of water go in behind where those pipes are because maybe they weren't sealed correctly. So you need to start there and then go through all the grout and potentially put a dehumidifier in there to dry it all out. A moisture meter is something that we might use in our profession to see the level of moisture behind the walls there. But I would say it's probably springtails, but we would need a sample to properly identify it. For those of you that are not familiar with that scotch plate, that's a silver tin plate that's around the handle, the uh, hot and well, uh, cold water handle. And nine times out of ten, we notice that they are loose. Um, you need to put them back and then, um, then take and put cork around them so no water can get in behind them. So just to recap, if it is springtails, getting rid of them, the number one thing is getting rid of the moisture issue first. There are appropriate labeled pesticides is what we would need to use as pest management that we could apply to anything left over or if you had an abundance of them or you identified the cracks and crevices, there might be certain types of dust depending on the state that you could put through the hole behind the escutcheon plate that is two ways of killing them. One, there might be silica gel in it as well as a pesticide that kills them. The silica gel will help dry out some of the, I mean, that's what silica gel does, dries things out. Uh, It's a desiccant. But really, the moisture is the main way to alleviate it and then possibly a pesticide application to kill whatever's lingering. All right, that one was kind of easy. So I'm going to skip on. There's There's a business question in here somewhere. So here's one that we liked because it's a real quick answer I'm going to ask. What is the cheapest way to get rid of termites, Ed? Cheapest way to get uh, rid of termites is to hire a professional pest management person. You're not going to be able to do it yourself. You might drill into pipes. God knows what you could do. You're limited uh, in devices that you can get, you can purchase. And even if you do, you don't know how to use them. 
Because bottom line is you want a professional, and that's the best the best and most economic, cost-effective way to get rid of termites. It's your house, after all. It's a major investment. You don't know how to get this chemical. If you're going to use a liquid chemical to spread properly, you don't have the proper injection devices. You don't know how to use a drill. And how hard is it to use a drill? You tell me after you hit a water pipe or a gas main. The point I'm trying to make is whoever you are out there, whether you're a doctor, when I get sick, would I go to an exterminator? If you're a car mechanic, I don't fix my own car. I go to you. So you have a problem here, and it affects probably, in most cases, the biggest investment you'll ever make in your life, your home. You want a professional, a pest management professional. So I would look up, go to, I would go to the yellow pages if you want and look it up. You could do a really smart thing. And or call. Google. Okay. You have to really be careful, too, with the internet and as well as, I mean, you need to get a proper, reputable company. If, Of course, Colony in the five boroughs and surrounding counties of New York. But there's a lot of snake oil. I mean, I just Googled it real quick. And they have one of these wall units that you plug in for termites, which any professional, I mean, it's laughable. Uh, like that, that this is even allowed to be sold to people for termites. We're not going to get into termites, but the cheapest way to get rid of termites and most cost effective for you as a homeowner is to have a professional come in and a professional with credentials. Never mind, you make sure they're associated with a state association, a local association, a national association. These types of things let you know that they're on top of their game. And are really doing their best. And then something we were talking about earlier, if you really want to do get the best price, get three people to come, three different companies to come and give you a price. And if they're all good, reputable companies, they'll all be within the same price range. That's my opinion. All right. All right, moving on. Here's one that uh, we'll, I'm going to tee up for Mr. Sheehan. I'm approaching the 1M, which I assume is million, but I recently found out in banking terms that M stands for thousands, which I don't understand because in my time it was K that stood for thousands because they offered me uh, a, a bank loan and it said uh, XXXM. So it was like a three figures and then an M. And I was like, are you guys, are you guys fitting to give me a couple hundred million dollar loan? Because I'll take that and run. And they told me, anyway, the, the M represents thousands in banks, but for this, it's the 1 million mark in annual revenue. So I'm approaching the 1 million mark in annual revenue, and it seems I hit a wall. What can slash should I do to get over or slash through it? So you hit a nice milestone. How did you get there? What did you do to get you there? And what what's holding you back? You got to look at your business. I'm assuming, I'm going to assume, the reason you can't get over is, you're still adding revenue, you're still adding new customers, but you're losing older customers. It's a proven fact that it costs five times more to get a new customer than it does to keep an existing customer. So why did these, why did these people quit? Now, what other reason, why aren't you expanding? Are you working as hard? Maybe you should work harder. Do you have a quality assurance program in place? And what is it, and are you actually doing it do you have the manpower to do it? This is something certainly when you hit the 1 million mark, you probably have somewhere between 6 and 10 employees, including the office, depending on what's going on. You need somebody to help you manage those employees 
while you manage your business. And my and these are assumptions, obviously, because we only have a very simple question here with very little detail. I think the one million mark is a is a wall that a lot of companies hit, and you just got to get you know you just got to keep going. And like my father just said, look at the why. What what is going on that you can't get past it? Are you losing? Are you losing techs? You got to figure out the why. What is going on right now that wasn't going on two years ago? And that's what you need to correct. It's a good chance that it's you're losing old customers. Get some uh, survey cards for them. You know, maybe it's just a matter of creating more time, the thing that none of us have for yourself to work more on the business than in the business. I would uh, leave you with this lesson that I learned. Um, I've hit several worlds in my life. <laughs> I'm still alive. Um, where I was with what I knew could only take me that far. So I had to learn more. And you know what? I had to take a good look at myself and see what I was doing wrong. And some of the, one of the things I remember, I was really good at hiring people, but I wasn't too good at firing people. So most of the worlds I hit were due to work. Well, I won't say most. Some of them that I hit would do to work is that they had been working for a couple of years. And uh, right now, after that, they were doing me a favor staying. So they didn't have to stay anymore. As Joe said, that quality assurance where you're checking on them periodically is extremely important because I've worked for other companies when I started in, in pest control and you always do a good job when you start and then you slide back and you need a good kick in the ass to get you back on a beam again. Well, so, yeah, everybody uh, needs a good kick in the ass, including your quality assurance person sometimes. Yeah, and even and, you, the owner. Yeah, the problem with, you know, with... As Call us up. Owner, we'll be happy to kick you in the ass. Being an owner, <laughs> you usually get kicked in the ass when you lose that client that you never thought you would lose. Yeah. And we've all, it's all happened to us. But I think it is about hiring good people, promoting the right people. But going back, touching on the QA thing also, um, you're promoting from within. So let's say you promote a service tech that's been with you for so long to a quality assurance person or even a service manager. Who did they have relationship with? before getting promoted and are they padding their quality assurance inspection you even need you even need to qa to qa person i mean this is how it gets as you start to build you strong, need the levels strong suggestion keep the qa person away from the staff we don't need any friendships going on between the qa right. person. that has developed over time i've noticed we have a couple of military guys that that work for us and and in speaking to some of them they said yeah in the military as soon as you become a sergeant or whatever, every time you move up in rank, you go to a new unit so you don't know anyone. It's not possible in all businesses uh, unless you're, you know, a much larger company where you could get promoted and move to a different division. It's just more and more you as the owner working your business and making sure you have everything in place. All right. So there's another. You want to pick one? Which one do you want to read, sir? Um, This one here. Uh... And this is a question from one of our brother uh, pest management professionals. Says, I service a medium-sized grocery store and cannot seem to get rid of the mouse issue. Management does not listen to my recommendations. Oh, have we heard that before? The place is, is cluttered, has constant unaddressed sanitation issues, but management is also happy with my service and kind of knows it, it falls on them. However, I want to know what you think, and if given the lack of a, a cooperation, I can solve their mouse problem. Um, I will start with this. Without sanitation, you're not getting rid of the mice. So we're going to assume that these people are happy enough that you keep the mice to an acceptable level. What's an acceptable level? 
You know, mice, um, whenever I hear mice, I want to deal with the basement, first thing. Second thing I want to do, um, all grocery stores have a yard out in the back that's all cluttered with crap. You need to go out there and check that if you haven't done it already and see where the mice are, are nesting. In certain cases, we have told these bodega, deli owners, whatever, that we'll straighten your yard out for you and we'll charge you for it. And sometimes they, they actually stay with the program. Other times, within six months, it's back to normal. But we've made some money in any event, which is the name of the game. Um, just from what you asked, it's a hard go to get rid of them. Without the sanitation, uh, in my opinion, it can't be done to get rid of them. What do you think about that, Joe? It's gonna. There's no cooperation. I would say don't give up on them. Uh, we had a similar account like this. It was a restaurant, and they never listened to anything we told them. And they were shut down by the health department for five days. They, not all due to pest control. They tried to say, you guys got to shut down for mice. And they sent me two pages that were related to pest control and said, see. But at the bottom of both of those pages, it said page eight and page nine of 48. So I said, could I see the other 46 pages? In any case, they didn't listen to anything we said. And when I finally looked at the full report with them all of the holes we had point all of our sanitation and ipm recommendations for structural repairs that they had told me f the landlord we don't own the building I said okay but i'm telling you there, there was mouse droppings underneath all of the pallets where they stored the soda and water and beer and everything they never cleaned it we offered to go in as a with an extra charge of course and vacuum them all up we asked them to tell us when they get their delivery because it's it's unaccessible on a regular basis because you have soda and stuff probably six feet high stacked on top of this. So they never wanted to do it. And in this report, it was all written up by the health department. And I said, this is stuff that we've been telling you for five years and you've never done. If you want to get another pest control company, I understand. I don't think it's right. I understand now every single report we send, they are, they do it. They thank us. They, they understand the importance of it now. And we have a couple of different third-party certifications. And we use this account recently for the third-party auditor to go in because as part of that audit, they give you tips on what to do. And the auditor was like, everything here is great. I can't believe I've never been in this restaurant. It's clean, et cetera, et cetera. So I would just say keep hope alive. The good news is, is that they're not busting your chops. It doesn't sound like to get rid of the problem or really solve it. They understand what's going on. So my hope would be that they get written up by whatever governing body governs them in, in that grocery store. I don't know who it is. And then some of your stuff starts to get listened to. I think you and I both agree that you're not going to solve the mouse problem if the sanitation continues to not get addressed. Absolutely. All right. We're rolling through these. You want to pick another one? Yeah. I'll pick another one. I just hired my first employee, my first employee, service tech, help. Not much to go on here, kid. Uh, but I have questions. You hired this person. Was, did you hire him as an apprentice, meaning he never worked as another, in another pest control company? Uh, whoever you hired, wherever he came from. Did you, did you check his background? Did you get references? I would advise any startup company, once they have enough money, to follow the quality pro guidelines through NPMA. Which National, in, National Pest Management Association. Which include 
all types of hiring practices as as well as uh, service, you know, pr- practices and good best practices in the industry. But definitely, you know, you hired him already. So the question would be, did you get a resume? Do you have a job application? Did you follow up on his references? Did you drug test? Did you run his DMV license? Uh, a lot of insurance brokers will run a motor vehicle report for you because you, they want you to be compliant. A very good, a very good insurance broker is a select insurance agency. And they cover 44 states. of the 50 states. Yeah. yeah, they're really good. Any help that you need with making this guy a fine professional and a credit to the pest control industry, let us know. If you need more help, let us know. Is that? Yes. We're on. So... Joe, I think we've we've helped out the industry a bit this time uh, on this on this episode of Colony uh, Confidential. Well, hopefully, some of the things we said they they can take and use. Well, one of the things I would I would um, tell these anyone that gives us more questions be a little more specific. You don't have to identify yourself, but maybe the state or the city, like the the one person mentioned, Long Island. I don't know why I want to say the woman. I, there's no reference to gender but i keep wanting to say she but in any case um that one said long island city so we know that's a new yorker um if you're not comfortable we understand but like he's saying the more information the better like um, we had a question on uh, someone hired a new employee help that sounds like you're having problems but we don't <laughs> know i mean we can imagine because we've had a lot of them problems yeah. please get back to us and let us know be a little more specific on the problems and we probably help you out some more. And we just want to thank everybody that called or emailed. And we appreciate any feedback you have, any follow-up questions. The phone number, again, is 917-765-0714. You can email us at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. And you can even go on our website at colonyconfidential.com. So thank you again for listening to Colony Confidential. Don't forget to subscribe and review. Send us anything you want us to know about at colonyconfidential at gmail.com.